So I wanted to start off today's uh, podcast episode by uh, talking about Baxter Holmes's story on ESPN about sleep deprivation. It's called the dirty li- little secret uh, that everybody knows. Um, and at first glance, it, it's it's kind of easy to roll your eyes with with these players making like all these millions of dollars. Um, but he takes it from the perspective and viewpoint that not of um, players having a bad game or having uh, making bad decisions. He takes it from a broader and more macro standpoint of um, them like health wise. And it's, it's not even uh, injury related like to basketball, but it's more um, about chronic sleep depression and how it, it there's, there's evidence and, and been research done that it leads to cancer, diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, dementia, depression, and strokes. Um, and uh, Tobias Harris, who is a big uh, part of this piece, actually talks about um, that he thinks that sleep uh, deprivation is going to be a big thing, just how concussions and CTE is in the NFL. And I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it, um, if, if you guys had any. I only saw the piece on twitter i didn't read i didn't read through although i thought it was really interesting because it came out of nowhere uh the the headline i think espn used when they advertised it on their um on their twitter account was saying like this is going to be the cte and concussions of the nba which was yeah a really extreme headline i was like this is out of nowhere i did not see this coming um and it's just interesting like they travel about 30,000 miles more than the average NFL team, NBA players, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 50,000 miles a year. And that's not including, like, your Olympics uh, competitions or, you know, the FIBA World Cup or uh, when players go to China in the offseason to promote their shoes. Um, all these times like frequent disruptions in, in your circadian rhythms and time zone changes. Um, it, it just affects the body. And the there's been a the, the average um, um, team says that players on average sleep about four to five hours. That's not uncommon. Um, and it's just tough because you get in at, at two in the morning uh, when, when you're playing an away game sometimes yeah. and, and you play that night. Um, but you can't get to sleep until three, three thirty a.m. It's just tough on players because, um, yeah, yeah, it it just affects your performance. But it, this piece goes broader than that, and I just thought that that it was an interesting kind of read. I can yeah. definitely see that being an issue. Um, you know, I never really thought about it, but once it was, I saw it scrolling through Bleacher Report. Yeah. And like Eddie, I didn't get a chance to read it, but as soon as it popped up to me, it it occurred to me, hey, this probably is an issue because. You know, like you said, they travel more than average NFL teams because the thing with the NFL, you're playing a lot of your games within your division, and your mm-hmm. division tends to be closer yeah. to you, so you don't have that yeah. quick turnaround. And NFL teams, they have a week to practice, and then they go and play, right? Yeah. So you have time to kind of adjust. Um, you have time to adjust your body a little bit. Your team can mm-hmm. get out on the flight earlier to the wherever you're playing at, but NBA teams, they usually play every other day they'll play back to backs they'll play you know most you'll get is like three days in between the games exactly so you know and it's difficult to sleep on a plane for a lot of people so that that definitely makes sense and why a lot of players don't have the sleep that they probably should 
and I'll and I'll wrap it up with this. Um, I just don't think it's a coincidence that Braun and uh, Vince Carter and Iguodala playing into the late years that they have into their career that they're still playing because they take this so seriously. And they're they're in this piece and they say uh, they have their routine every night and they have their routine on the road. They have their routine right after games. Tobias Harris has his breathing routine uh, um, after games, and I, I just don't think it's a coincidence that yes, there's some luck. In t- that that comes into play when when you play that far into your career, but I, I just don't think it's a coincidence. It, it's it's players who are conscious and, and uh, take pride in sleep and, and just are aware of it. And, yeah, I mean it's an important thing, right? Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. I went to sleep at two o'clock last night, yeah. and it's currently eight oh nine, and I'm a little bit struggling. Yeah. So I can't imagine having to play against you know some of the best athletes in the world right now. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that and I got six hours of sleep. You're talking about three, four, five hours maybe. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's definitely it takes a toll. Oh, that's definitely interesting. Welcome to this episode of Hoop and Holler. I'm Eddie Sun, joined as always by Reagan Griffin and Julio Martinez. For those who listened to our first two episodes, we're very thankful. And for those who haven't listened, you can find us on our SoundCloud Square One Media, and we hope to get our podcast onto Apple Podcasts and other services real soon. So um, there's another wrinkle to this story between the conflict between NBA mm. and China and inevitably LeBron got himself entangled within the conflict as the kind of de facto head inevitable. of the NBA. It was inevitable. So there's for a those, lot to tackle yeah, here. So for those who aren't aware, Monday night LeBron gets asked about the situation. I felt like with this particular situation, it was something not only was I, um, you know, not informed enough about. Um, I just felt like it was something that not only myself or my teammates or our organization um, had enough information to even talk about it at, at that point in time, and, and we still feel the same way. Um, and we always talk, we, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen. Um, when you're not thinking about others and only on you only thinking about yourself so um i don't believe um i don't want to get into a, a word a, a word or sentence uh feud with daryl um but daryl uh, moray but i believe he wasn't educated on, on on the situation at hand and um and he spoke and the, uh, the, so many people uh could have been harmed and he was met with immediate backlash to a writer saying that he was spineless people saying he he's a coward and saying like his morals weren't in the right place like saying he switched up on the values that he had before and then by yesterday night you had um accounts twitter accounts or um writers that are usually affiliated with you know right-wing politics coming for lebron saying he was in the wrong place because inevitably when lebron gets into one of these political situations you know there's going to be people like that oh, yeah. and, that come for his head and it's not just domestic backlash like y'all got to understand that is international Everywhere. Yeah. backlash like riders from from uh, uh hong kong are burning his jerseys and, and putting lebron's it on, on like been there done that yeah I know, <laughs> cleveland I know. was like but i did um, it first <laughs> there there's a lot to tackle here so um I've already talked to Eddie about it a little bit. Okay. Um, I want to hear what you think, Julio. So, okay. So I think I, I, I don't like to really overreact to stuff, um, but I, I just think LeBron, like, obviously he was better off served, like, just not speaking about it in the first place, in my opinion. Secondly, 
I just think his words came out so wrong. He, in my opinion, if you look at the quotes, he tried to focus on like heavily. Daryl Morty, Daryl Morty should have waited. Why send it when we're there? Because it puts us at physical harm. And Stephen A. did talk about that when they were in China. Like uh, he suggested, like Adam Silver should pull pull all players out and, and just bring them back to the U.S. Um, and why why did Daryl Morey, in a sense, like not think about the players because the players have to answer those questions about um, the the China the Chinese and the NBA relations. Um, but uh, it it just it just came it just came out wrong because um, it it made it it made him seem selfish. Um, and when you do a, a Nike ad with Kaepernick that says uh, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything, that doesn't really go with what you're saying because he says there are ramifications, and that's true. It's not that I disagree with anything he said. I I don't. I don't really disagree with anything he said. It's just what he said kind of makes him a hypocrite in many ways. Here's my thing, right? And you, you brought up the ad, which I think was a good point. You believe in something, even if it means you have to lose everything or something like that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't say that you have to believe in everything. And I think what people are kind of doing to LeBron is that because he wanted to be an advocate for certain social justice issues, yeah. people are kind of putting him in this box and saying, now you have to be exactly. an advocate for every social issue, yeah. which doesn't make sense to me. No, yeah, yeah. Just like Daryl Morey had the freedom of speech to uh-huh. say what he wanted to do, regardless of the consequences of that, which I think he didn't clearly didn't take into account he, like he should have. Um, LeBron has the right to speak out or not speak out on any given issue that he feels passionate about. Um, me and you were talking, Eddie, and people mm-hmm. tend to be... Um, they tend to speak out more on things that you know are personal to them. LeBron's mm-hmm, spoken yeah. up um, on black and violence in the black and th- community. And that's why he said, like, he talked about his community, and that's why he also talked about like, uh, like being misinformed and informative on your topic. Mm-hmm. But I did have an issue with that because he said, uh, "All right, I, I don't really know too much about that. I don't want to talk about it." Like saying, "I'm misinformed." If as a misinformed individual on a topic, you cannot call another person misinformed. I think you can. I, I think. Mean, just, well, to me, it might be. It the, was. Oh, it was. It was two different things. LeBron that LeBron kind of said what Steve Chris said, where he said he didn't know enough about the context of Chinese history and he didn't know enough about their politics to give a definitive comment on it. Which I think it's totally valid. It's like the same thing why you don't hear people in China or across the world like condemn mass shootings in America. It's yeah. like, you know, we're, we should be more focused and people are generally more focused on domestic issues and especially for someone like LeBron focusing, focusing on issues that do with race because he exists in that, right? Like exactly. he has to talk about it because he lives through it. He's not going to talk about something that he is an ocean away from, that he's totally distant from. And, and he doesn't have to. There's no yeah, moral obligation. No, there. Exactly. So the, when he says, so when he says uh-huh. he's miseducated, I think he's being genuine that he just doesn't know enough and he's not going to say something that he only knows a little bit about because it's not it's not his place to yeah but also saying that you're miseducated that's him not wanting to hurt his brand and there's nothing wrong with that i don't think that's necessarily i really okay well his brand in my opinion his brand in the u.s is to speak out and that's what helps his it's to speak out on issues that he feels passionate yeah yeah, yeah, and and he does things about those issues i mean he opened a whole he does no no and and i i 
I don't criticize him for that, but I'm I'm just saying you you have to keep in mind like he also has a strong financial like like motivation to yeah. to not. But I, we okay. I'm gonna go society scope here. We live in a society that you know kind of promotes people to speak out on things or to have an opinion on everything. Right? Yeah. Everybody always wants to hear your opinion on everything, mm. and I think what's kind of get what kind of gets lost is that you know sometimes people don't know enough to say certain things about certain issues and that's okay no, just because yeah. you don't know it, or just you know I sh- i'm not going to chastise the dude for quiet. not yeah. you know it, it, if here's the thing he was asked about it and what i heard from him is he talked about how daryl morey's comments yeah. personally affected him which him i think is team. a fair thing to do him and his team yeah. going to china being affected by those people that he had to uh, face and I, I think it's okay for him to do that because you know if he's misinformed in no way shape or form is he obligated to speak on it or else he could very easily end up in the same situation that Daryl Murray Daryl Morey is currently in is that he you know said something and didn't understand the ramifications of yeah. what he said there there is a uh, also an interesting point that uh Stephen A pointed out like um also like social expectations um it's, it's kind of funny how, uh, and I don't want to go too deep into race, but it's kind of funny how the black athlete, LeBron, and the middle-aged white uh, general manager, how LeBron's getting all the criticism and uh, oh, yeah. Daryl Morey's just, like, that just got swept. Well, there's a reason for that. Let let me pose two hypothetical questions. Do we think Daryl Morey is going to speak out about police no. violence in Texas? No. Even though he no. literally is a... He lives in Houston. A, 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 a authority figure in that state, kind of? No. As someone who's well-respected? And then second question, would he sent out that tweet supporting Hong Kong protesters if he was in China? With, no. If the Rockets were playing in China and he was with the team? Definitely no. not, right? No. So, so my point, and I think a lot of people are criticizing LeBron for criticizing Daryl Morey for almost expressing his freedom of speech. But what LeBron is really criticizing is that Daryl yeah. Morey was short-sighted when he sent no, that out and didn't understand the ramifications. I totally agree with it. I just felt like it came out wrong. I'm like not the sure word, the word, cho- wrong. The word choice. Like it got construed. No, yeah, yeah. It got mis... Yeah. It, I, I feel like it's a balance. It yeah. got misconstrued and the some of the words he used were like... They, they used it as like uh, clickbait for articles exactly. and, mm-hmm. and stuff and like that's that. That's just... That's, that's a product yeah. of, you know, the, that's when what I, the media's When I heard be. it at first, I think, like many people, I was surprised because you expect LeBron to say things on the right side of like morality mm-hmm. per se and he didn't take that stance. But the more I thought about it, the more I understood because the relationship between Dill Morey and LeBron, like anyone else in the league, as general managers, as players, as owners, as league office employees, you're part of this larger community, like world kind of power that is the NBA because you you have so much influence just through the game of basketball and for Daryl Morey to say that while the Lakers and LeBron and the Nets for that matter too are flying to China on a plane without internet they probably land in China like surprised that they see people taking pictures of them with you know their faces covered and they're probably wondering why the charity event the charity event in China was canceled and for LeBron I'm sure he's thinking Daryl Morey could have put my life at stake. No, yeah, yeah. Because he it's said totally, physically. It's yeah, totally yeah. within the scope of China's government. If they think that Daryl Morey and if the NBA had Daryl Morey's back, that they had enough influence within China and around the world that it could undermine China's sovereignty. And who knows what they could have done with LeBron James. Yeah. Because the government, once you're in their land, you're under the subject to that, their laws. That's why I feel like it. 
he was he was trying so he he was focusing on that on, on putting his team at risk and, and not just in, in physically but also like putting him in the spotlight like having to answer questions um and, and I do think that's valid again I I just think it everything just got just they made it about the media made it about more like uh I I don't I don't know like he he just He's all about the money like that, and he's a sellout. And, that, um, and that's, and that, I think that's totally incorrect. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. But there is an argument uh, when, when people say, um, like what we're saying right now, it could have waited a week, or what he said, it could have waited a week uh, for the players not to be there. There is an argument for, um, is there actually? It was that actually the best time from a value standpoint of like that's when they're there in China. People need to be made uncomfortable to make change. I mean, um, my thing is, if if Maury want, feels that way, and if that's what his, I'm to, not saying that's what it was. He can go, go to be the China. one who can yeah. make himself no, uncomfortable you know, because yeah, yeah. You know, that's a good argument. I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, not, I'm going to try not to make it a race thing. It's more of a socioeconomic thing. Upper to upper middle class to upper class people. A lot of times, these tend to be Caucasian individuals. They, you know. There's so many times where we hear these people speak out on certain issues without having to physically touch and be part of these issues. Yeah. And I think that's just another example of someone of some of Daryl Morey's, I guess, stature, influence, right, yeah. stature. Right. It's another example of them speaking mm-hmm. out on an issue that they feel passionate about that doesn't really affect them and exactly. allowing other people to go. Yeah, touch it, it. It's easy to talk about something when you don't touch exactly. you or affect mm-hmm. you. Um, and, and that's why LeBron's safety, so passionate just, about exactly. like, stuff stuff here and what he, he experienced early in his uh, life. Okay, just the last word on it. I don't think it's selfish for LeBron to care for his own well-being and think of his own safety before you know the general morality or not even not safety fi- his financial well-being it's not wrong to to think about True, that but I, I i really think he had his own personal safety in mind first yeah i, I really think so i mean dude has kids he has a he has a family yeah. right and you, it, people might see this as being you know somewhat extreme but he legitimately his life could have been yeah. at stake and it's, it, it's totally within the scope of the chinese government to do something like exactly. that exactly anyways okay so let's move on we're just let we're less than a week away from opening night so let's make some predictions talk about some storylines of these opening night games (laughs) starting with the ring night opening game the pelicans traveled to canada and faced the raptors so i actually did some research about how uh defending champs do on opening night Mm. and more more uh more than often they they lose than win really um and i feel like that's a product of you know everybody's happy everybody's in chill mode get your rings um yeah just being ring happy and i think also it's going to be a product of just lonzo and zion like just running up and down the court and having that that game on national tv where it's it's just it's just bombs away like they're just running up and down the court and they're just having fun um so I'm gonna take the Pelicans in this one. Um, how do you guys feel about it? Um, I think I think when we look at the Pelicans, and a lot of people look at the Pelicans, obviously the face is Zion. People yeah. like to talk about Lonzo. People like to yeah. talk about Ingram. Um, I think a person that gets lost a lot is Drew Holiday, and that that dude is that's a their best player. Baller. Yeah, that's their best he's player. Pound for pound, he's probably the best player on that court. He is. Um, with that said, I'm gonna take the Raptors. Um, 
I, I look at the Pelicans, they're still a team that has a little bit of chemistry kinks to work out mm-hmm. uh, in terms of where Brandon Ingram fits. You know, his game's a little slower, and, you know, it's not as fast-paced, you know, to run with the Zions, the Lonzos, the Drews. Um, so I still think they have those issues to work out within their chemistry. Um, but that, that, that Toronto team, even without Kawhi, was probably yeah. one of the best teams in the regular season last year. So, yeah, yeah they're going to be caught up in the rings and everything. Um, you know, that might distract them for maybe a quarter. Uh, ultimately, I think they're going to be the team yeah. to pull it out. It tells you something about how much the NBA wants to market Zion when you put him on the first national oh, game yeah. of the year. Oh, yeah. And this is a really interesting matchup. Like, you have New Orleans, a, a pretty inconspicuous team, like – at least for its team history, traveling up to Canada for its first game. Mm-hmm. Like, who would have thought? I, I have the Raptors winning, but it's just, to me, the matchup was more interesting than anything yeah. else. Yeah, uh, initially I had the Raptors, but um, then I did that that research, and uh, yeah, I'm taking it. I can see it happening, though. Next game, Battle of LA, Clippers-Lakers. Oh, the matchup, this the matchup we all wanted Sheesh. to see, and it's on the first night mm-hmm. of the season. Oh. Um, I had the luxury last night of... Uh, Going with one of one of my friends. Shout out Steven. Uh, appreciate the appreciate the looks. But I got to go see the Clippers open practice over at the Galen Center. Um, they look like a they're, they're a great team, and Kawhi looks phenomenal. He looks in regular I'm season mode right bro. now, uh, and he's from what I saw, he's improved as a passer. Eddie said you noticed that over the preseason that he's yeah. improved as a passer, which is that would know, drastically changes exactly game. because if he can create for other people in addition to creating for himself, that would create a whole new element to you know that Clippers basketball team. Uh, with that said, they're going to be without Paul George. Um, I, the Lakers, I, I think people are kind of be gunning and ready to go on the Lakers. You know, everyone oh. on that team, e- even as an individual, I feel like every individual on that team has something to prove to the NBA. Yeah. And that, when it becomes a cohesive unit, gives you a team with an edge. And, you know, a team yeah. with talent and an edge is almost unstoppable in every single case. Yeah. I, I think uh, I, I think Kawhi is going to kind of be mellow about it, but I think Braun and AD especially Braun recently with the whole China thing and what he's talked about during the summer about like taking the throne back or whatever. Um, but I think Braun especially and AD are just going to want to make a statement. They're hungry to make a statement. I hate when LeBron does it. Um, and, and even, I, I do. even though, even though Kuzma might be out, like we, like Reagan said, PG is going to be out. Um, but yeah, I, I frankly don't think it'll be super close because I think Braun and AD are going to want to make a, a big statement opening night. I, I'm still interested in who is going to guard Anthony Davis because I, I look at that team last night and it looks like what they're going to roll out come uh, whenever that game is. It's going to be Beverly, Shamet, uh, Kawhi, Kawhi Michael Green. It'll probably be Jermichael Green. They like to keep Montrez off the off bench. The, okay. Um, and then okay. Zubach. And I look at that. In, is is Jermichael Green gonna hold Zubach or is Jermichael Green gonna hold Anthony Davis? It, no. <laughs> is is Zubach gonna hold yeah. Anthony? Da- I mean, and Zubach looks and like it, he's in great well, shape, but that's Anthony well, it, Davis. Well, if Zubach uh, tries to guard Anthony Davis, then Jermichael Green is gonna have to guard Javale. That's that, what I'm that saying. Can't happen. Oh, that's why I think this Lakers team is going to be They're successful this year. The just, overwhelming size yeah. and athleticism that they have at the four and five positions. We'll get into that. Be, yeah. yeah, we'll get into we'll that, later. that later. Um, and would you guys say that this is the matchup that everyone wanted to see this year? The oh, battle yeah. of the LA teams, of right? Oh, much. I think oh, yeah. definitely. It, it's kind of disappointing that they schedule it for the first game of the year because no team is at their full strength. Yeah. No, but everybody does want to see them. Everyone does want to see them, but to me, I feel like the game is going to be underwhelming because Paul George is going to be out. Kuzma is going to be out. 
both teams are dealing with new players coming in, kind of mixing up their chemistry a little bit. They have to figure out. It, it, it might be like an ugly basketball game. Is what it, it might be, but if you're the NBA and you're you have at it from to a rating no standpoint, mm-hmm. you yeah. put the battle of the LA teams plus Zion, everyone's watching. Yeah, from a marketing standpoint, definitely. It's just okay. from a basketball viewpoint. Who do you who do you got? I have the Lakers just because I think oh, Paul George. Eddie said something positive about the Lakers. Just because Paul George isn't playing. That never happens. All right. Wednesday, the, almost all of the team NBA teams play, the ones that didn't play the opening night Tuesday. Um, the two games that are televised on ESPN, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do you guys got? I, I think this is going to be a – This is going. I frankly think this is going to be a blowout because I think Ben Simmons is going to come out and just ball. Hashtag I, believe in Simmons jumper. I, I think, I'm I, with it, bro. I I'm think, getting the shirt. I think he got that – I think he's gonna come out with that attitude. Same same thing. I, I was talking about Braun. He's gonna wanna shut everybody up who is criticizing him o- over over the off season. And he's frequently said like, okay, like sh- yes, I understand. Like shooting is a deficiency in my game, but I'm very very good at a lot of other things. And and I think I think also Horford shooting. and Embiid are just gonna kill Cantor. So hmm. honestly, when I look at the Celtic team, I would not be surprised if they have. Maybe not as extreme, but similar chemistry issues as to the ones they had last year. Really? Because when I see Gordon Hayward, I see somebody who's probably going to come back from that ACL, or that wasn't ACL, it was a dislocated ankle injury, and all the, that freak accident that he had. Usually it tends to be this, this that second year back when they start hitting their stride again. So he's mm-hmm. going to be a guy that commands touches. Kemba Walker, that's your you know max guy. You brought him in. Um that's going to be a guy that obviously is going to command touches. Jason Tatum, young upcoming guy. He's about to, you know, get a contract and he's going to want to prove himself. Yeah. He's going to want touches. Jalen Brown is going to be a free agent. He's obviously, he wants a max contract. <laughs> apparently, He's going to want touches. And as Cantor, one of the better offensive centers in the NBA, that he's going to command touches. These are all a bunch of classing personalities that offensively are going to demand the ball. And I, I don't see that working at all. I, I think eventually it's going to blow up in their face similar to it did last year. I actually see it exactly almost opposite really? to what you're saying. I think the one thing you can say about the Boston team is that they're well coached. Yeah. And I think they show up when they want to show up. So for me, they're facing Al Horford, right, who was a Celtic, mm-hmm. a very good Celtic. And I think they're just going to be motivated. Who's like, going to guard extremely, them? Well, it doesn't matter. I think they're just going to play harder. Like, they're just going to be playing super hard. And, I mean, uh, and also playing and, hard doesn't always and also yeah. for me the one team win. that always seems to force Ben Simmons into like terrible nights the Celtics right historically in the playoffs yeah, in the but, regular season yeah, yeah but who who are the two biggest like who who is the biggest who who's their most important defender last year Horford. I mean, maybe like Horford and then like Who's Marcus. I mean, let's look at the matchups just in the starting five, right? Who who's holding? Who's holding ben Embiid? Who's? I mean, you got to put your biggest dude on. That's, that's, I, that's I mean, from that's from a, from a talent standpoint, <laughs> from a talent standpoint, I don't see Boston matching up with the Sixers throughout Damn. the season. I just think for the first game, the Sixers might be working out some all these new players into their lineup, and you. the Celtics are for the most part going to be still implementing the same Brad Stevens system. That's fair. And they're just going to be playing harder. Over the eyes. course of the season, though, I definitely see. There, there's just too many. Yeah, you even yeah. throw Carson Edwards into the mix. Oh, yeah. Now, there, there's too nice. many offensive players, not enough role players on that team, or pe- people who mm-hmm. think that they should be offensive players. So, so, all right. Not so you got the Celtics? Players. I have the Celtics. Okay. Have and the then the nightcap, the nightcap uh, night is Denver-Portland, a playoff rematch of a really good second-round matchup last year. 
what I'm, do you guys have? I'm really excited for this kid, Michael Porter Jr., man. I, I've been watching him since high school. He's He was an absolute baller, and it sucked to see him go down with that, that foot injury. Or was um, it, it was a back injury. Oh, it was a back injury, yeah. and then he still has like a... a, a what is it? A, a brace for like foot drop yeah. or something like mm. that, um, which is never good because you never want to. Your it basically means his foot is misaligned right now. Mm. But I think he's has for the most part recovered from all that, and I, I'm really excited to see him ball. His jumper looks smooth, and I I see him being the second primary off of offensive threat to Jokic eventually, yeah. eventually or not not over, off the season. Okay. over the course of the season though because I, I think eventually people are going to start to see that he's a more viable threat than Jamal Murray is on a consistent basis yeah yeah because Jamal is, is inconsistent yeah. but that boy can get off okay. um but so you got the you got the nuggets I'm gonna take the nuggets in this one yeah I'm, I'm gonna just take the blazers just uh for the mere fact they're at home and uh Although we will get into a discussion later, I, I think they kind of suffered over the offseason. But um, I, th- I think Dame is is, um, is going to lead the Blazers to, to a W. Denver-Portland always seems to be a good game. I have Denver winning, but I think of all the four games that are televised, this is going to probably be the best one. Mm. Yeah. All right. Let's, doubt that. let's go into Western Conference predictions. S-tier. So last week we did the Eastern Conference, and in my opinion, the Western Conference is way more compelling than the Eastern oh, Conference. Oh, and, you're, and, and there's a lot. Opinion. I mean, okay. That's, that that's might be everybody. That's fact. That's, that's, right. that's fact. That's fact. There's a, there's a lot more to talk about. So for those who didn't uh, tune in last week, we're ranking our Why teams into tiers. So we have, oh, again, <laughs> this is because Reagan wants to... One shows, punch uh, man, okay? It, uh, this one punch man inspired me to, you know, rank people. So teams. in for, for S-tier teams, we consider them title contenders. Conference A-tier favorites. teams, uh, yeah, conference favorites. And A-tier teams, we consider them to challenge for the conference championship, maybe. Like, they can get there. B teams are solid playoff teams that might not go very deep. C-tier teams are those who are fighting for a playoff spot. D-tier teams are solid lottery teams. And then F-tier teams are just garbage. And we have to be careful because when, when you're talking about the NBA and when you're talking about players, you say, oh, that player's a... a a top ten player, and there's like fifteen players that are top ten players. Yeah. That that team can that team's gonna make it to the playoffs. There's like mm-hmm. twelve, thirteen teams, like Reagan was yeah. saying yesterday, yeah. that can make it to the playoffs. So we just have to really be selective. Yeah. Um, and I think so, what we'll do is at the end of this, we'll go ahead and draw like we'll write we'll spell out our fifteen or our top eight, or at least we'll say like who we think is gonna make it and yeah. who's gonna miss it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So um, let's start with S tier teams. All right. So S tier conference favorites. I got the Lakers and the Clippers. Mm. Um, obviously, the Clippers because of their defense, their length, their depth, and the Lakers because of their just talent. they're so big and their talent and their. Uh, I frankly, I mean, a lot of people are arguing like, do they really have depth? I think so, but um, yeah, that, that's what I. That's the two teams I have. The crazy part about my list is that I have four S tier teams. Mm. You know, there can only be two Whoa. teams in the conference championship. But that's just how the Western Conference is. I have the Nuggets, Lakers, Clippers, and the Warriors mm. as S tier teams. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you on the Warriors. Explain the Nuggets. The Nuggets They're well, too young, in my opinion. Well that's what people said about the Nuggets last year. And then in And the, they didn't I mean they were inconsistent in the playoffs, but at the same time I felt like they proved that they can compete on that stage. So no, but Here's where I make the distinction between that. Okay, you go up against LeBron and AD. Who do you think? Who do you think is winning that? Uh, of course, from an experience standpoint and from a talent standpoint, LeBron and AD. Have so the edge. wouldn't you have them 
like above. Well, again, they're all they're, certainly they're all they're all S tier teams to me. But but to my point, these these teams have different strengths. To me, Denver has ten people that can be legit NBA players. Uh, I like Denver can play their second team, which would be Monty Morris, Malik Beasley. Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and that might you be like Will Barton I mean there. that like that's probably the best bench see, unit in the see, league and they can even give like starter minutes. See, but I I I agree with that, but in the last few years if we did this this tier thing, I would just have the Warriors and no one else because I don't think anybody can beat the True. Warriors. And that's what and that's what that's what I would have as well. Maybe like, well, maybe I throw in another team, but but that's just it's just so yeah, open this year. I really I can really see Denver challenging just because of their depth and because of the way they play. I had three teams: uh, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Warriors. So I agree with you on the Warriors, and that that's just purely because of the fact they're going to get Clay back later in the year. Mm-hmm. And although we haven't seen it in a while, Clay, Draymond, you know. Uh, Steph, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, that's you know the, that's a now you throw core right and now you throw D'Angelo Russell into the mix. Where I see them lacking is in the area of depth. Exactly, and exactly. When it, the, yeah, it, they, it, the thing is, they just kind of those, those championship teams. Although we like to laud the guys like Iguodala and Livingston, Thank they kind of lacked a little bit of depth there too. Mm-hmm. So I I'll, well, I think Steph is enough to carry the load. For them to be an S tier team, I wouldn't. I definitely. This is not a team that I just brush aside in the playoffs. Even though I think they're going to be like a seventh seed uh-huh. once they get in the dance, yeah. they they'll 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 probably see. See, I I don't disagree with that, but um, w- when you consider Steph's kind of dur- durability issues, and you consider that yes, those championship teams without KD were led by Clay, Steph, and Draymond, um, but. You have no Harrison Barnes. You have no Livingston. You have no Iguodala. You have no Barbosa. You have no um, uh, what? Azili. Okay. Azili. Most Bates. Those. No. Those guys were important to the team. Like. Like very important. And, and you, when you have got yeah. Okay. Willie Cauley Stein's all right. He's fine. But when you look at these other guys, it's like Jordan Poole, Glenn Robinson. Jordan Poole right. low key is not bad. Low key. In college. Low key. He, like, he, in college. He has but, a little bit of wiggle to him. Well, he'll All be right, a rookie, man. so yeah. inconsistent. Alfonso McKinney. Alec, yeah, he's going to get caught. Alec Burks. Marquise. Alec Burks isn't terrible. Marquise. Like, they, they, this is not the depth they had before. And you, you're. this is all assuming... Clay's going to come back 100%, just like he looked in, in uh, last year um, when he was at his best. Um, that That's why I had him in, in the A tier. With the Warriors... I'm putting them in my S tier because I'm giving them the benefit the benefit of the doubt in that they have a lot of athleticism. You talked about a guy like Willie Cauley Stein. We talk about a guy like Glenn Robinson. We talk about a guy like Marquise Chris. A lot of athletic potential that just needs to figure out the simplicities of the game of basketball. And if I think Kerr's a good enough to coach, and I think they have an all around good enough coaching staff to where they can kind of impose that into that team for those athletic guys to be somewhat good at basketball. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'll put them in the S tier. I'll give them S tier. Just let me drop some numbers up. Oh, here we because go. I'm the numbers guy, I guess. Numbers. So since 2016, 2017, when Katie joined the team, Curry's numbers when he played in lineups without oh, Clay, Draymond, and uh, wait, Clay, Draymond, and Katie, he has a net rating of plus 14.3 yeah. per 100 possessions, which would be the best in the league still. 
of any lineup, and he had a 116.6 offensive rating, which would also be the best offensive rating in the league. So Steph, without his All-Stars, no, yeah, still yeah. the most lethal he, and, offensive and that, team that, in the that, league. That's why he he's such a great leader, and he's like the leader a lot of people should aspire to be because he takes that step back, and, and to a certain extent, these guys... I don't want to say hold him back, but they hold his numbers back um, to a certain extent, like you're saying. Just, I mean, just watching the, I was at the Lakers Warriors preseason game on Monday. Just Steph being on the court creates open shots for everyone. There was, yeah, it was just but, open shot, yeah, open shot. Whether they made them or not was a different that, story because yeah, they didn't exactly, make anything. Exactly. But just his presence creates open shots everywhere and, on the court. And you, t- you telling me during the season, uh, Steph, D'Angelo, or Kevon Looney is not going to, or Draymond is not going to come up with some type of nagging injury. Oh, yeah. So like that, that's, that's going to affect them in the West. I was just so one, they're that. one injury away from that's, just, I was literally took one, the words right out of my mouth, man. We're literally one injury away. Yeah. And I, yeah. So I was like, if anything should happen to anybody during the course of the regular season, I hope they it could doesn't. very easily yeah. be they're out one, of the playoffs. They're one major injury away from missing the playoffs. And also, I have them at the sixth seed for a reason because you can't ask Steph to carry the entire team on his back for 82 games. Heck, if, but, if Steve but once, Kerr has another health issue, health issue, they might be like maybe. God. And, and again, you guys, this tier, the tiers we're, we're doing this, the, just because Eddie had him in, in S tier doesn't mean he has him as a three seed. Either. Yeah. These are not seedings. These are how we view um, the playoffs will play out. So. Yeah. Should we move on to A tier? Yeah, let's do yeah, A tier. So A tier, I had the Warriors, um, just because I think a lot of people – are sleeping on them like heavily like they're not gonna make the playoffs Evidently whatever not me and eddie um and i have the jazz and the nuggets um that's the, it the jet the the i mean the nuggets for the same reasons you guys said mm-hmm. they're very deep they're very lengthy they're very big that's but a pickup a pickup not many people are talking about jeremy grant is a really he, really yeah. good yeah. player forgetting about that is a the, really good forget the that. only thing i see is having that one guy i can maybe see paul Millsap or or jamal murray like just give him the ball take over like that's stuff like that happens and, and people kind of try to criticize that notion like oh you guys only care about the last few minutes of, of closing I mean, but that's important that, that that happens and when you have to go one-on-one against like a matchup back and forth against braun or against ad or against Kawhi or against steph like that that that's what makes a difference when when you guys go through one through eight or my one through eight you will see each team at least maybe has a guy who can take over in the fourth quarter yeah. and that's what separates the championship teams from from like the teams who don't that's where it. i that's think michael, michael porter jr comes into play because okay. that's the that's that dude when I, when I look at that team that is that dude who's capable of doing that he has the iso scoring ability okay. you're talking about 610 wing yeah. with handles like a guard with you know he, he's athletic he can yeah that's a that's a baller right there that's we a bona fide baller we kind of forget just how good of a playoffs like just how good of a playoff that Nikola Jokic had last year because he got eliminated yes, in the second round but, but he damn near averaged a 30 no point he is double. their he is their best player but you can't give it to him in, in, in moments like that on the perimeter yeah of course that's, not, that's not, the whole reason and, why they extended Jamal Murray right because that was going to be their guy they said okay yeah, we're well, going to have Jokic we're yeah. going to play through Jokic and then when we need a, a bucket we're going and, to and for my other uh, A-tier team the Utah Jazz so I have always always loved Mike Conley like yeah. I love Shout Mike Conley he uh he's just he's a baller <laughs> like like Reagan was saying a bona fide baller um 
unfortunately, he's sustained a, a lot of injuries in his career, like nagging injuries. But when you put out a lineup of Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, and Joe Ingles, well, like, they're actually so recently they're going to start Royce O'Neal and use Joe Ingles as a six man. Okay, really? that, that's, that's probably better for Joe Ingles and yeah, for the I, team as well. I think it, it makes an interesting wrinkle to Joe. the team. Um, but yeah, like that. One that shows their depth and their like interchangeability, um, and, and yeah, I, I think I think that's a that's going to be a cohesive unit, and mm-hmm. they know who their scoring is, score is late in moments. Donovan Mitchell, um, and, and they know who kind of their leader is going to be, um, and they got a defensive presence with Gobert and Bogdanovich and, and Ingles to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think they can they can be dangerous. So. I'm I'm with you on Utah as the A tier team. Utah in years past, like were always projected to win way more games, but they always seem to not show up against like teams that they should have beat, which is why they ended up as like a four or five seed when they could have been the two seed last year. And to me, their offense was their defense has always been elite, but their offense was never maximized because you played Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, who were two paint presences, and that forced Donovan Mitchell to take a lot of shots. inefficient shots. So yeah. he took a ton of mid-range shots, but the offense you have this year, you have two creators in Conley Mitchell, you have two elite floor spacers, and, or three elite and, floor spacers in Ingles, O'Neal, and Bogdanovich, and then just a presence and in the middle. And instead of Rubio, you got Mike Conley who can <laughs> yeah. shoot who can and shoot, score. Yeah. And score. Oh, yeah. So what I think what's going to happen this year with the Jazz is that their defense is going to stay elite because you have Gobert there. You, you're going to be solid. Yeah. And and their offense is going to be way more efficient because it's going to be more threes and layups instead of mid-range shots. I, I have them as an A-tier team, and I actually have them as my only A-tier team. Really? Mm-hmm. So I have yeah. four A-tier teams, and that's I'm with you on the Jazz. Whoa, I'm with whoa, you on the whoa, whoa. four A-tier teams. Wait, so how many S-tier teams you had? Three. I have seven so, yeah. teams so those that are, your seven are realistically teams. viable okay. competing for a chance. And that's fair. That's how. That's just how okay. strong. Who, the I, funny. Well, let's just say the funny part is. Um, Three of those teams are going to be eliminated in the first round. Exactly, and, and that's that, and that's the crazy that's thing how to great think about. So, this playoff, these playoffs are about to be. See, and, so I have my Nuggets. Okay, I have my Nuggets. I have the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Nuggets fan. Let me put that out there. Uh, I have the Jazz. I have right. the Trailblazers, and I have mm-hmm. the Rockets. Hmm. Okay, so this okay. is could make a push for the conference title. Yes. So you think you think the Blazers with could all make- their offseason like everybody they lost yeah and people who are hurt you think they can somehow challenge the Lakers it has everything to the do Clippers. with Hassan Whiteside and Yusuf Nurkic when he comes back I think Hassan those are, those Whiteside are, you think Hassan Whiteside is gonna be Hassan Whiteside good. okay here's the thing I was such a big fan of him when he first like you know got big got in Miami yeah. and you know he was, he was such a dominant paint presence he was almost Gobert-esque in, in terms of you know you just couldn't go down there because he would swallow everything but as soon as he started hitting the chemistry issues and he started wanting the ball more and you know he wanted to be more of an offensive threat yeah, it things yeah. started you know it, it got iffy pat riley didn't like that he didn't play hard enough like he, he wouldn't set hard he screens yeah he, he he chased blocks too much and give up offensive rebounds like a lot of small issues that come up big for now, a team my thing is a lot of times i think his frustration is that he saw himself as a number one on that team <laughs> Which we yeah wasn't true. He's not a number one player, but it's real easy to see yourself as a number one on a Miami team that doesn't have That's a whole true. lot of talent. That's true. Now That's when true. you look at a team like Damian Lillard or a team like the Blazers that has Damian Lillard, and CJ, CJ, it's a lot. Okay, let's just 
it's a lot easier to coax, coax a guy into setting screens for Damian Lillard than it is to coax him into setting screens for Deion Waiters. Why am I <laughs> okay. setting screens for Deion Waiters? Why well, I should you should give me the ball? Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to do that when you can when you have dependable guards. That's fair. That's see, fair. But, see, but my my thing is the most important position uh, in today's NBA, or you can argue in uh, all time, is, is that is that wing, yeah. that wing yeah. position. Yeah. And when you lose, not not that these guys are all-stars or superstars, but when you lose Aminu and, and Mo Harkless, those are two big losses. Like, they were really solid. They're, they're really solid defenders who... Um, who could, could make a three every Who now could now make then. a three every now and then. And, and th- those are the guys you put on Braun, PG, Kawhi, uh, James Harden. Like, you, you, can, you can't under, underestimate those, those yeah. losses. Well, okay. Now, I'll, now, I'll, I'll see your guys, and I'll, I'll raise you a couple guys from the roster that I like. I like Anthony Simmons. Yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna come up. Yeah, I like Rodney up. Hood. Maybe not as a defensive piece, I but like I think Rodney I like him as a secondary. I like him he, as he a. He can be a good. He can bench. be a good six man. Yeah. I like Kent Bays more defensively. He's not offensively. Right. He's I, I think. Right. I think he's not. Harkless. I, I think he's a downgrade from. He, he's Aminu. a little. He's somewhat of a downgrade. I'll Aminu, give you that. Yeah. But when I look at the matchups that you know it's going to take to win in these Western conferences, I'm looking at you know the Lakers with their bigs. I'm looking at the Nuggets with Jokic. I'm looking at the Jazz with Gobert. I'm looking at the Rockets and Capella. You need bigs to win in this conference. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what the they have two viable bigs in Nurkic and in Hassan Whiteside. I think that gives them enough to at least compete for it. To me, I, if can't, the, I can't say that the Nuggets can compete for it without saying that the Trailblazers. I will say Hassan if he plays like he's motivated. I will say I might consider Hassan in this instance in this conference when you have scores like CJ and Dame. I will consider. I might consider Hassan an upgrade from Cantor. Oh, Although, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, no doubt. And I think eventually when Nurkic comes back, you can play them together. Because Hassan has enough range. Ooh. I think Hassan has enough range. Nah. No, I've no. never... I think Nurkic might have enough range. Nur- can, Nurkic can extend might. a little. Well, well, only like from like 13 feet. Like, yeah, and that's I, it. I, I I wouldn't play them together. But Nurkic with Hassan off the bench, or or that that might be interesting to me. If Portland does take the next step, it will be it will be because of Zach Collins. Okay, and and he has a lot of interesting dynamics to his game because he shot he, the three last year. Yeah, good so he can playoffs. stretch out to the three point line as a seven footer, and he can defend the rim adequately. It kind of like a Jermichael Green type that a lot of teams are looking for now. Another interesting guy on this team, Nasir Little. Nasir Little, a very yeah. great he's, athletic profile. He's Maybe just, not the great. He just doesn't have a lot of basketball skills right now. It's I gonna think, it's gonna take at least a year. I think he's a dude where you can sit him down, and if you're a good enough coach, you can teach him how to be a darn near lockdown defender. Mm-hmm. So can we yeah. move on to? Yeah. yeah so uh, I also had the Rockets. I just want to. Oh, oh okay. that's right. Uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. We'll, yeah, we'll touch. That's on automatic. You, we'll touch. They on can them. compete. Yeah. So B tier teams are playoff teams, likely one and done. Um, this is where I had the Rockets, um, and yet it, it'd be easy for me to put them in A tier team because yeah, can I can I see them winning more than one series? Yeah, but when when you start doing this Western Conference thing and you got to cut people off, there's a lot. You, of I got to cut off the Rockets. I'm sorry because I just. I love Russ. I love his personality. I love his want to win, but I just don't trust him. And I don't trust mm-hmm. James Harden. Um, and I think their bench just it got it got weak. And, and J- like Nene's getting old. He Gerald is old. Green is done Gerald, for the year. Gerald Green is 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 out. Yeah. Um, and uh, you got PJ Tucker over here complaining about his contract uh, situation, and um, they just don't have a bench in my opinion, mm-hmm. except for Austin Rivers. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, so, I only have one B tier team Time as out. well. Same. 
Who is it? It's the Trailblazers. Oh, so. dang. Oh, so I, I had the Rockets, the, and we'll get to these teams later. The Rockets, the Blazers, and the Spurs. But hmm. um, the Spurs has a B tier team. I, I love the Spurs, but we'll get to that later. Okay, go. I love the Spurs. I only had one B tier team as well, and that was the Oklahoma City Thunder. Really? I think they're a low. Key, a lot of people are I, saying. I mean, that. You have, I don't buy it. Are they? Are you I mean, consider them a at, lock to make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a team with Chris Paul. I don't buy that. Shea Gilgis Alexander. You're looking at a team with Gallinari, Stephen like Adams, Andre Roberson. I mean, they have players. They, can, these guys have they, dudes. Okay, they do. They, every team every team has dudes. And what has happened every single time, every single time, a player has left Russell Westbrook? They've shined. They've shined. Victor Oladipo, shine. James Harden, shine. KD. KD, shine. You know, we have all these dudes that leave Russell Westbrook, and they get better. So now so we have now we have Russell Steven Westbrook. <laughs> Steven, no, Actually, that's, no, I'm so you see, you see him shoot that three. I mean, Steven he, Adams <laughs> low key could shine, and we have a team that just Russell Westbrook left all of them. One of them is bound to step nah, up and start bro. playing better. I, I think I'm telling you, man, so so that's so a playoff team. So you got them over the the Pelicans, the yes. Kings, yes. the Spurs, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. This all is this is where I got to interject with the Spurs. When when you got Dejounte Murray. Dejounte Murray, like I mean, he's, he's he can play. No, no, that man can play. You, you, you I go, think Shy's better than him. Okay, but they're, they're you can't argue that that they're not deep. Like you got Damari Carroll, you got yeah. Derek White, you got Lonnie Walker, who look. Who look I like Derek White. I'm not so sure. About I, Lonnie I like Walker. Lonnie Walker. Uh, uh, you got Lamarcus Aldridge, Demar Derozan, and Dejounte Murray. That that's better than the OKC Thunder. Like, like I just don't. Demar Derozan is like he he's. Part of what makes that team run, but at the same time, he's going to be their downfall. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. But like the same, the same thing people are talking about Shea Gilgis Alexander now is what is how I feel about the same way I feel about uh, Dejounte Murray. Murray. Like, I, I, I mean, he has, he has clamps. He has absolute clamps. Mm-hmm. But with that said, between him and Derek White, how do you even break up those minutes? Oh, he's a backup. Uh, Derek White's backup mm-hmm. for sure. And you still got uh, uh, Patty Mills and Rudy Gay off the bench. Like Rudy and Mar- Marco Bellinelli, a shooter. And yeah, he's just a shooter some off the bench. Who's their, who's their center? Jakob Pertle right now. Yeah, and Trey Lyles. They gonna play small, uh, small yeah. ball. I just I, you I telling mean, me with Popovich they're not gonna improve off of last year. Last year they 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 made it. Yeah, that's so. It's hard to bet against the Spurs. Everyone got any better year. though. That's the thing. It's it's like I don't want to bet against the Spurs, but at the same time. It's almost like everyone, everyone on this team can't shoot a three. Like, how, how can they play in a team that's becoming more and more, you know, outside of the three-point line when literally nobody shoots a three? Seventy percent of Demar Derozan's shots are from the mid-range, Mar- and while he hits them at like a somewhat efficient, I know you're clip, not about to say Marco Bellinelli. There's only, Marco Bellinelli can shoot. He can't carry the team though, yeah, off right. threes. No, but I'm saying you say they have no shooters. Well, okay, okay Marco, they have but, one shooter. Okay, but if you have Bellinelli on the floor for any extended, <laughs> hey, run, and you, and you're you're telling me Rudy Gay can't shoot? Not I mean, from he, three. He, I mean, he he's fine, but but he's not a starter. Okay, I mean, that's Der- fine. Derek White can shoot. I'll give you that. Derek I think White. Derek White can shoot. And Demar Carroll can shoot. Uh, he's okay. But when you have Dejounte Murray, Demar Derozan, Lamarcus Aldridge as your three primary players going into next year, all of them who are mostly mid-range players, it just limits your offensive ability. And they could get away with it, I think, last year. But just the Western Conference is so strong this year, you can't be giving up. I can like say that. the same thing about the. I can say the same thing about uh, um, the. 
Actually, no. Yeah, yeah. no. There's, yeah. Yeah. Every team, <laughs> I mean, say, folks can shoot now, man. That's that's what the game has become. It's all about spacing. How are we going to create space? Who can shoot? And mm-hmm. the, the Spurs, that's what the Spurs lack. The Spurs lack. I mean, the Spurs have mid-range shooting, but you can't count Everyone can't exist they, within they, the mid-range. They, I'll say it is hard they to count make them it. out, they but, gonna this, make it. but this might they be. Make it. This might be. Uh, if if they do, them. it'll have everything to do with Greg Pap- Popovich uh, and nothing yeah. to do with the personnel. I'm sorry. DeJounte Murray. He's, he's a baller. I, they I have, a, great, they have like a bunch it. of great individual players. I just don't see a cohesive unit. Okay. Yeah. All right. They make Who's what I have in my C tier? C tier list. So I have the Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Kings, the Mavericks, and the Pelicans. Five teams in my teams. Okay. And the, these are all teams that I could see making a push for the playoffs. And the funny thing is, between my S to B tier, that's seven teams. So mm-hmm. I have these five teams competing for that last. Say so your teams again. I'm sorry. Timberwolves, Spurs, Kings, Mavericks, and Pelicans. Hmm. And I that was so tough picking between them. But wait, hold on. So how about let's just talk no, actually, about who's... my my S through B tiers is eight teams. My bad. Wow. So, so yeah, let's just I... talk about what team do you eventually have making that last right. spot in the playoffs? The Thunder. Uh, yeah, the, the Thunder. Because yeah, remember he had teams. seven. Oh, in that's the right. First, you have eight. And then the next right. year he had. Yeah, I, I don't have. I see these are all yeah. teams I could see challenging the Thunder for that last spot, but I have the Thunder ultimately take. That's interesting. Spot. So my C tier, I had the Kings, the Pelicans, and the Mavericks. Those are the only three teams that I can see taking a playoff spot from the from the pre, mark? Pr- from the previously eight teams that Dang, I mentioned. No Timberwolves. Hell no! I'll, just like Kendrick, <laughs> just like Kendrick Perkins said on he the uh, on the on the jump on the jump uh, two days ago, <laughs> he said. I, I, I'm gonna stay asleep on, on the on the Timberwolves. Hell no, I'm not putting them up there. Who they got? Cat. That's it. They have a lot of good players. Oh, Jeff T. No, yes, they have a lot of good players. So do a lot of other teams. Okay, here's what Jared Culver. Here's here's what they have. They have they have good pieces and a really functional offensive system. You have a lead guard in Jeff T. Tell me where their shooters are on this team. No, you have a lead guard. Oh, I thought you you said you have a really solid lead guard in Jeff T. Talk about shooters. You have three wings. Jared Culver. He not he not gonna play a lot. Yeah, he's gonna start. He's he's look he's look he's hold his own. He's he's hold his own. Who gonna shoot? Who gonna shoot? Andrew Wiggins. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Hold on, hold on. I'm just naming the lineup right now. I'm saying Jeff Teague is a lead guard. They have three floor spacers who, if they can play up to their ability, is are all three and D wings and Culver. Covington, Wiggins, and then oh, just let, let's just let's let's, let's just let's just focus Covington in on Covington. Oh, he he could be defensive player of the year material, and, and, and he can shoot the three at like a mediocre clip. Yeah. And then you have Cat, who 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 should be playing outside and shooting forty something percent from three, and just absolutely obliterating stop, the game next. Stop year. putting money into when when this GM thing came out. Who would you rather have like to move forward with your franchise in the NBA? Even, like staying at their age, Cat was number one like two years ago. <laughs> well, okay, stop just, with all this. Potential nonsense. It's nonsense. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. With 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 Cat with and Andrew Wiggins, not gonna happen. I mean, okay. So yesterday, it's a preseason game, sure, but he averaged thirty three points, ten rebounds in twenty six minutes, thirteen of twenty shooting. 50% from the three-point line, and you can expect that, and that's just in 26 minutes. You can expect that on a nightly basis with Cat. These okay. numbers are inflated. I low-key have to get to class. All right. Well, so I'm going to give you my D-tier teams, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to run through my 15, and then I got to right. run. All right. Okay, because I don't it. have any F-tier. My D-tier teams are the Grizzlies and the Suns. Uh, I don't have any F- F-tier teams because no team in the Western Conference is truly bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I don't have bad, any F-tier I think, teams I either. I think Hornets bad. 
Um, the Grizzlies, you know, they have a lot of potential in there with John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, Tyus, well, Tyus Jones. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of young talent there. Yep. Same with the Suns, a lot of young talent. Um, that, that's just how competitive this Western yeah. Conference is. Every team you cannot sleep on a like single game. Um, in terms of my, you know. Uh, rankings for the how I think the regular season is going to play out. It's interesting because none of my A tier teams, you know, I yeah, like I, my, yeah. my, my S tier teams, none of them are in like the top three. So I have the uh, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, then the Clippers are my first S tier team. Then I have the Rockets, then I have the Lakers, Jazz, Warriors, Thunder. I have the Mavericks being the first team out. Spurs don't even make it. They're a 10 seed. Um, Grizzlies are my last seed. I got to go to class. All right. All right. So me, me and uh, Eddie are gonna talk more about. Let's just, let's just the, hash this out. The C, the C tier team. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so, so I had the you want. I, I had the Mavs um, in there. So if if Chris Stapps can come back and and look like he did, I, I think they they have an all right team with with Luca, Chris Stapps. Uh, Boban off the bench, Seth shooting, uh, Delon Wright's all right, Justin Jackson, whatever, Tim Hardaway. Mm-hmm. That, that that's why like after those two, it kind of like fades off a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's why I I didn't have them making the playoffs. So you and Reagan and and a lot of people have the Mavs as C tier teams or teams that could potentially make the playoffs. I actually have them as a D tier team. I and I, just, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I don't I don't, I don't like that. the personnel. I think people are getting too hyped about Luka Doncic. Yeah, me too. Because even me though too. he averaged twenty one points, eight rebounds, six assists last year, he was a minus two net rating I, I, because because uh-huh. he was a thirty percent shooter from outside the three point line. Even though he made some crazy deep threes, he wasn't an efficient shooter. Totally. And agree. he could draw fouls a lot, but then when he gets to the line, he shoots 70%, which is, you got to shoot better than that. To- and totally unless agree. he takes like a really big jump in these percentages, he shouldn't He shouldn't have the usage that he had last year because he won't be successful mm-hmm. if you give him point guard duties and mm-hmm. he can't shoot no. and he can't shoot from the free and, throw line. And, and I initially had him, I, I was in that fight on that fence mm-hmm. with D or C, like what what do I put him in? Um, but I, I as a young as a young player and as a frankly like younger team mm-hmm. outside of JJ Barea, <laughs> um, um, I I see those younger teams as like always wanting to to make a push um, in the regular season and always wanting to win every game. Yeah. That's why the Nuggets are frequently uh, or or the Trailblazers are up, are always at the top of the standings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the same reasons why I see I can see the Pelicans, you know, getting hot and making a run. And I I see them being inconsistent too. Um, but yeah, like I have the same reasoning for the Kings too. That's why that's why I have them in the C tier too, because mm-hmm. with De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, um, Bogdanovich, Buddy Heald, Harrison, I I can I oh, can yeah. see them. And I, I wouldn't re- be surprised. If I, I really I also really like the free agents they picked up. Dwayne Denman is a really good center mm-hmm. in the system who can defend the rim a little bit and stretch out to the three point line. Trevor so, Reza. so it allows Bagley to play inside. Trevor Reese is a good veteran, veteran presence. presence. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's injured now, but I, I do like the veteran presence. Corey, Corey Joseph, Joseph is a really good backup point guard. You know you're gonna get solid minutes from him. It's it's weird to say that the Sacramento Kings like did well in free agency because they always seem to mess up every yeah. year. But I think yeah. they actually hit on all their signs. Yeah, they they're they're not bad. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if if they made that eight slot. So again, to recap, C tier, I had Kings, Pelicans, and the Mavs who will make up my eight, nine, mm-hmm. ten slots. So I actually have six C tier teams, and that just shows how many teams are going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Um, and okay. I have and these respectively from the seventh seed, I have them ranked into the twelfth seed. I have okay. the Rockets as a C tier team. Okay. The Wolves in the eighth seed. Okay. The Kings nine, the Spurs ten, Pelicans eleven, the Thunder twelve. Okay. And okay. um, well, let's just I, mean, I have the Rockets as a C tier team because I just don't like the dynamic of Westbrook and Harden. And to me, I wouldn't be surprised if that 
kind of fluctuation and then combined with the lack of depth end up having them by the end of the year having to kind of scratch out a playoff spot they have the talent to do at the guard positions but the lack of depth and then it's, it, i just see a lot of instability coming from that team me too. i'm just not sure how it's going to turn out me too and then especially with mike d'antoni not getting his contract and yeah that's gonna yeah. be it's just weird and then tillman fertita doesn't like luck. to go into the luxury tax yeah, so exactly people are talking about maybe they're going to get andre Godala, but they don't want to pay any extra money yeah. that they don't have to and then okay, okay so let, let's go back to the wolves because I, I didn't finish my point because I really like how functional their offense is because in today's NBA, you want wings that can spread the floor and play little defense. You want a guard that is really solid with the ball who can create for others and Make create a little decisions. for himself. Yeah. And then Cat just, okay, we, we, we haven't you seen anyone action. in the league like Cat before. Well, AD is not stretching out to the three-point line and shooting threes at 40%. We're going to see this season. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I'm saying Cat has proven that he can yeah, shoot no, three can shoot. at a really efficient clip and be like a high-volume three-point shooter. So we've never seen a team like them. And let's let's also talk about two sleepers that the T-Wolves picked up this year. Well, Jarrett Culver, the draft pick, I already talked about him. He's looked really solid in preseason. He has, a, he has some ball-handling ability that I think people didn't realize. He shoots the three at a respectable clip. I wonder how well he's going to do there. And then just as a perimeter defender, I think he's going to come into the league as a rookie already pretty solid. Yeah, no, when when uh, the Lakers were, when the draft lottery was going on and the Lakers were projected. Uh, number four, right? Number like five, I think. Oh, okay. Or like six or something. Or they ended up picking uh, four, yeah. Yeah. Whatever they were supposed to pick, I was, I wanted them, if they, I, of course, I didn't want to draft a rookie. I wanted mm-hmm. to trade it for Anthony Davis. But if we had to, I was actually looking at Jared Culver because of his uh, kind of like shooting ability. And, and although it was inconsistent, like you could see his shot is there, mm-hmm. his stroke is there. Um, and like just his length, his yeah. length is crazy. A lot of, lot of people think his upside is like a Chris Middleton player, which, yeah. which I think is, is a good call. It's not, it's not, yeah, that, that see, I don't have problems with comparisons like that. I yeah. would have a problem if they compared him to KD. To KD. But, but see, <laughs> they compare everyone see, to KD. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if if I if if Andrew Wiggins ever became what he was supposed to become, and I'm not trying to criticize players like too early or whatever, but mm-hmm. if that were the case, then I would have the Timberwolves as a B tier team, maybe an even an A tier team, because you need somebody. You need that wing, and and from a from a from an eye from an eye test perspective, mm-hmm. um, like just body wise and athleticism yeah. wise, and, and like potential yeah, Andrew, for defense. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins, Wiggins meets yeah. meets all that criteria, but it's just like when he gets on the court, it's just like Is he doesn't put it together. He takes it, bad shots. He doesn't seem to try on defense. He exactly. doesn't go for rebounds. Yeah, I, I feel you on at, that. At, at least Cat, although I think he's soft or whatever, and I think the notion kind of gets disseminated a lot too. Um, and it's just me being playful. Mm-hmm. Like you can see when he's on the court, a lot of times, like he screams and he's like playing yeah. hard, whatever. Um, like he'll be impactful. Yeah, he'll be impactful. If, if nothing else. But um, yeah, I, that's why I just, I just feel like they have no mm-hmm. leadership and they're too young. And then also the low key signing, no one's talking about Noah Vonley as their backup big already becomes one of the better backup bigs in the league. Last year on the Knicks, he was a plus five in net rating, and that's on the Knicks with like a bunch of not really good players uh-huh. around him. He he's a good rim protector. He he's a he's an able finisher, and he got and he has a little more skills than to just catch lobs and dunk them. So to me, when you want a good big next to Cat, you want someone who can be a good help defender and a good rim protector. Jordan Bell's that. Uh, I mean, I hated Jordan Bell on the Warriors because he always made dumb decisions. I like yeah, I, I like the, the Noah Vonley. He turned the fit. ball over a lot. Yeah, he he made a lot of um, iffy decisions. But yeah, okay. So in my D tier 
uh, I had the Thunder and the Timberwolves. Well, we won't mm-hmm. need to talk about the Timberwolves about anymore. But so the Thunder. I, there's a lot of people like Reagan mm-hmm. uh, who see them making that eight spot. Mm-hmm. And I just disagree because when you have Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilgis, and CP, although let's say like CP might get traded by the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. But when or you he have might De- get hurt. Yeah, when you have Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilgis, and CP, obviously they're going to prioritize CP and Shea Gilgis. Mm-hmm. But when you have those three, it's just... It's gonna it's gonna bring problems. Sure. I, the main thing I see with them is that CP and Danilo Gallinari have extensive injury histories, and I don't see them oh making my it God. through an injury. I, I don't see them making it through the season healthy. Uh, uh, so many people talk about Danilo Gallinari like he's some all star, and yeah, I get he he can piece some. Well, good he games was together. he was really good last year, yeah, so. but he, even I think like that that just gets like he just looks slow on the court, and yeah, is he skilled? He can score somewhat, but he 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 can't be your best player and. and you can't expect to make the playoffs like that. I feel you on um, that. And they might you you never know. They might break it all apart because Steven Adams was on the trade block. Yeah. Uh CP might be on the trade block. Yeah. Andre Roberson always gets hurt. Yeah. I they, mean they so, they might want to trade um Nolan's Noel. Like Yeah, Nolan's Noel. They might want to trade uh, did, I forgot if you say Roberson. They might want to trade Schroeder. Right. Yeah, Schroeder, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it, it might be like they're, they're trying to break it up, too. That's why I have them in the D tier. I see. I, I have three D tier teams and, and no F tier teams. That That's just, I think every team in the West at least has an idea of what they're doing. Uh, so I, I have the oh, Mavs, yeah. Suns, and Grizzlies. Okay. And I, I have the Grizzlies eventually finishing last, but that doesn't even mean like they're a bad team. I really like the young talent that they collected. And even the Suns, who who are kind of the, the, the staple <laughs> the, of just bad organization, bad, I, I kind of like the pieces they have this year with Rubio as a as a lead facilitator so you don't have Devin Booker doing everything on offense and Dario Saric is a really good stretch for Aaron Baines is a good backup center I, I mean oh, I is. thought it was weird that they drafted Cam Johnson at 11 because he would have dropped to the 20 somethings but but he can shoot it's like they they have good pieces on that Suns team so here here's my problem with the Suns who Okay, in the F tier, I I had the Suns and the Grizzlies. But here's my problem with the Suns. Okay, next to Devin Booker, you yes, you you need a an experienced ball handler who can like kind of control the offense, and that mm-hmm. that can be Rubio. But in my opinion, you also need someone who can score, a f- like score from three, score uh, from creating his own shot. And I don't, I just don't think that's Rubio yeah, to take some yeah, of the true. tension away from Devin Booker. But Rubio is going to help DeAndre Ayton and, and he's going to, he's going to help the wing the players around him too. But, yeah. and, and Devin Booker was the most double teamed individual yeah. in the NBA. And that's, and that's crazy. And, and, and when you have Rubio next to him, Kelly Oubre, DeAndre Ayton's, all right, he's yeah. good. I like, I like um, Mikhail Bridges a lot. <laughs> Frank Kaminsky. Oh my God, Aaron! I love Aaron Baines. That boy's always jumping um, <laughs> to try to block shots, and he gets dunked on sometimes. But um, you have to respect the effort. Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, Macau Bridges. Uh, we'll see how he turns out. Um, he's a good defender. Yeah, right? he's a good. Defender. And then Tyler Johnson, who's not that bad of a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, I. I I just it's hard for me to put them in in the F tier because I don't I don't consider them garbage. It's See, like they're the I record. feel like they have no direction. The Suns? Yeah, with their general manager and owner always like Well, maybe maybe it's just cuz to see the Suns actually trying and not tanking. <laughs> 
maybe maybe that just puts them as a D tier yeah. team. Yeah. And 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 to me, like if 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 you're not tanking, you're, you're a D tier team. Like you can be a solid, fun to watch lottery team, even though you the can. record might be bad. They they'll actually try. And, and uh, for the Grizzlies, I love John Morant and I love uh, Jaron Jackson, Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Obviously, okay, Igudala, he said he's not gonna report to camp. Yeah, he's not gonna I, play. I don't think he's playing a game for jo- Jonas Valanciunas, I've never really liked him. He'll get numbers, but he's not gonna exactly. be impactful. And then Josh Jackson, who got yeah. sent to the G League. I don't know about that. Dylan Brooks is kind Dylan of Brooks, solid. Right. Yeah. Kyle Anderson is super slow. But somehow he gets yeah, done. He gets steals. Brandon Clark was a good draft pick for them. I like Brandon Clark's I, game a lot. I, I like Jay Crowder. Um off the bench and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, He'll be a good trade piece too for them. And um, I, I've seen Ivan Rab, or I saw him in high school play. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I don't think he'll make an NBA impact, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I saw him in high school and he was very, very dominant. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, I just think they have like, are we going to be this team that tries to make the playoffs or mm-hmm. are we going to try to tank and get another John Moran, Jaron Jackson type yeah, player? Yeah, do you want Do you want to run side. through all 15 teams in the standings or are we cool with that? Um, yeah. Right, so just to recap, the teams I have making the playoffs is Lakers, Clippers, who... So I think the swing, the pendulum is going to swing, mm-hmm. like the favorite. Uh, who's going to be the favorite? Whoever Iguodala chooses, if he gets released. I see. Yeah, so I think he goes to the Lakers, Lakers championship mm-hmm. team. He goes to the Clippers, they're obviously mm-hmm. the favorites. So I, I have those two. I have the Warriors. I have the Jazz. I have the Nuggets. I have the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Trailblazers. Not in that order, but those are my 18. I see. So I have I have these eight teams making the playoffs, and I, and I have these in order from one to eight. Um, I think by the end of the regular season, the Nuggets and the Jazz are going to be one and two. Me too. Just because they I, have they have more cohesiveness. Exactly. The Lakers and the Clippers I have at three and four. The Lakers above just because I think they have less um, like Kawhi and load management. That's going to be a thing like even more so than LeBron mm-hmm. and AD. And then this Paul George injury. Um, five and six I have the Blazers, the Warriors. Seven I have the Rockets. Eight for the last spot I have the Wolves and I anticipate it being really close to fight to f- the fight for the 7 and 8 spot because c- I have the Kings at 9 the Spurs at 10 Pelicans at 11 Thunder at 12 and to round off the and, list I have the Mavs Suns and Grizzlies and it's kind of funny me, Reagan and uh, Eddie all have the same seven teams but it's that eighth slot yeah. that we all like he had OKC I had the Spurs and you I had have the, the Wolves, Wolves. Yeah. so it, it, it's very interesting and we can't wait yeah. to to watch the season and ha- see how it oh, turns yeah. this, out this Western Conference is going to be insane going to be insane. insane it's going to be compelling yeah. alright that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler if you've tuned in this far thanks for listening all the way um, for Reagan who's left already for class Julio and I'm Eddie's son um, we'll see you next time we